Stay tuned after this episode to hear an interview with Leroy Kuntz for his new movie, Deliver Us, um, with me, Stephanie Young, as the moderator. Hello everyone and welcome to Double Rewind. I am your host Stephanie Young here with my co-host Jillian Young and we are back to uh, video. Um, our past back couple to our original program. Yeah <laughs> our last two episodes uh, were we had to do zoom because Jillian wasn't feeling great and then I wasn't feeling great. Um, so now we're back together which is great. Um, so if you are someone new. who well, yeah, if you're new here, um, our podcast is it's me and my sister. We're twin sisters and double rewind, we call it, because what we do is go back in the past and watch media, whether it's film, TV, music, anything that we should have experienced a while ago. So every once in a while, I will show Jillian a movie that I have seen. Jillian will show me something that she has seen. And sometimes we'll react to something that we both have not seen. Um, today, I am showing Jillian the movie Billy Elliot. Yeah, and wanted to preface from last time if there was anyone, if there were people listening to the last episode, we had prefaced that I was going to have Stephanie watch a movie she hadn't seen, which is Don't Mess with the Zohan. It's just not the time for it, um, if you know what it's about. And we, I didn't, that was my fault. I didn't realize what the movie was about and certain things about it. So we're, we were to skip it. So yeah, Stephanie, she's showing me Billy Elliot. And then next week will also be a movie that we'll experience together. But yeah, Billy Elliot was the one that Stephanie is showing me this week. Yeah, I forgot to pick one that we're both going to see. Why don't we like, we'll figure it out. Okay, we can like well, talk, we can about talk about it. talk about it Okay. All right. Um, okay, so this was an episode where I showed Jill and Billy Elliot. And if you know the movie, it features a very young Jamie Bell. So our top three for this week that we're going to do is our top three child performances where they were either 14 or younger when they portrayed a character. Yeah, and just want to preface, I said this to Stephanie, these aren't the best children performances. This is our favorite child performances. So just to preface, I think mine is one and the same. No, mine is not. Okay. Mine is definitely just personal favorites. So you could go first then. Okay. Um, so my number three child performance is Christian Bale in Empire of the Sun. I knew he would Yeah, be it's a Steven three. Spielberg movie. He it's where he got popular, um, but it's also such an incredible performance from him. And you wouldn't expect any less because it's Christian Bale. He's one of our greatest actors of our time. I feel like a lot of people don't realize though that he started acting when he was very young. Everyone right, sees yeah. him in these like adult roles. Yeah, but it's one of those things where it's Steven Spielberg and Steven Spielberg is known for almost like creating these people who then get careers because he takes these people who maybe weren't famous to begin with. Okay. Um, so that's my number three. Christian Bale's really good in that. My number two is Lindsay Lohan in The Parent Trap. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think about she that. She was 12 years old, but First of all, she plays two parts, which is great in, in itself. Exactly. But she just portrays those characters so incredibly. She just takes the entire movie. I would say she's my number two child performance. Um, and my number one is Jamie Bell in this movie. Wow. Okay. And Billy Elliot. I, this, I mean, we'll definitely talk about it more, but I think his performance is just outrageously amazing. So he's my number one. So I did think he was great in this movie. I think it's because whenever I see new things, it never makes the top three because it's like I just experienced it. Mine is very much just personal favorites. Nobody is going to think that these are the greatest performances. Okay. But so my number three is Tom Holland in The Impossible. Yes. So Tom Holland in The Impossible, he was 14. He okay, just cool. made the cut. He, If you've never seen The Impossible, it's about that really famous like huge tsunami, tsunami that happened. He is so... So good in this movie to the point where I saw it with my dad in theaters and that was before we really knew who Tom Holland was. I was there too. Oh yeah, sorry. You were there too. <laughs> but um, my dad walked out of the theater. He was he was like, whoever played Lucas broke me and it was Tom Holland. Mm -hmm. Tom Holland did an amazing job in that movie. Number two is a joint. It is going to be Josh Hutcherson and Anna Sophia Robb in Bridge to Terabithia. Um, I've said before, Bridge to Terabithia is the movie that got me into film. Um, which is strange to some people, but those performances, that that movie, if you've never even read the book, those performances are so strong and heartwarming and heart-wrenching. And to me, it's just one of my most fondest memories of seeing children in movies growing up. So that's uh, that. Number one is kind of a cop-out, 
But it's the entire young cast of Harry Potter. Okay. Every single one of them. And it's just because I don't think I've ever seen a cast that young so good. And I would say mm-hmm. under 14 is at least Sorcerer's Stone for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Maybe Chamber of Secrets. I think they're like 10 and 11. I don't yeah. remember. And it's like, okay, I know it's a cop-out to say like the whole cast, but like the amount of young talent there was in those movies is absolutely incredible. I mean, I couldn't even pick one because you have Rupert Grint, you have or, um, you have um, Emma Watson, Daniel Radcliffe, Tom Felton. Um, like, all of them were so amazing. So I know that's kind of a cop-out answer, but I really think that those are my favorite childhood performances, mm-hmm. for sure. All right, those are all good ones. Yeah. All right, so we'll get into our episode. So I'll tell you a little bit about Billy Elliot, and then we'll go into first reactions and then our discussion. Um, so Billy Elliot is a 2000 British coming-of-age drama film directed by Stephen Daldry and written by Lee Hall. Set in County Durham in Northeast England during the 1984 to 1985 minor strike, the film is about a working-class boy who discovers a passion for ballet. His father objects based on negative stereotypes of male ballet dancers. The film stars Jamie Bell as 11-year-old Billy, Gary Lewis as his father, Jamie Draven as Billy's older brother, and Julie Walters as his ballet teacher, which is Mrs. Weasley from the Harry Potters. Yeah. Um, Billy Elliot received positive critical response and commercial success, earning $109.3 million worldwide on a $5 million budget. At the 54th British Academy Film Awards, the film won three of 13 award nominations, Jamie Bell becoming the youngest winner of Best Actor in a Leading Role. The film also earned three Academy Award nominations, including Best Director, Best Original Screenplay, and Best Actress in a Supporting Role, which I'm guessing was Julie Walters. Yeah, can I ask one question before we kind of get into it? It said this movie was also kind of a musical, but like not in the way like there's no original it was, songs or it was anything. a no it the it is an actual musical that broadway did like years afterwards so the movie came after or is it the movie became four they based the musical off the movie got it okay. yeah so it it was yeah it was after makes sense okay um so we'll go into our general reactions um i've seen this movie so do you want me to go first or do you want to go first i can go first okay it's new i thought this was really sweet oh, like glad. honestly it's like you said, like Jamie Bell, I was so shocked by how, and here's the thing. Okay. One thing that I really love about child actors or like actors in general is there's so much acting that just goes into the face and his facial expressions and the way he expresses himself throughout this movie is just so amazing. His performance is so great. And like, I, I love his character because, you know, obviously he starts doing ballet when he's supposed to be doing like boxing and he knows his dad and brother aren't going to approve of it. But there's one scene and I'm sure we'll get into it where his dad kind of finds out. And instead of just being like, sorry about it, he's like, yeah, what's weird about ballet? Like, it's not abnormal for a boy to be in ballet. And, like, the fact that, of course, he still wants to please his father, but is also kind of able to stand up to him in a way, is just so powerful for a child, mm-hmm. I feel like. But overall, the story was really, really cute. I love the dancing. I, I really also loved Julie Walters as his teacher. Um, and kind of the way that she knew of his talent and wasn't going to let it go to waste. Um, so overall, like, and I'm sure we'll get into it more with the the questions, I really thought it was a great movie. Oh, I'm glad. Um, I always really loved this movie. This is the second time I saw it. I think I saw it in college, maybe like six years ago or something. And then I was like going through movies that you haven't seen. And I'm like, she hasn't seen Billy Elliot. And it's also great because we are really going in the past 23 years. Yeah. Um, but I love this movie. I don't know if you know this. I'm a Jamie Bell stan. I did not know who the hell he was before so this movie. What is I, he in? He's, um, he plays uh, Elton John's friend in Rocket Man. Okay. Um, he also is in, he's in the new movie with Paul Meskel that comes out soon, um, All of Us Strangers. He's not the other love interest. He plays he? his dad. So is he it, that much older than Paul No, Meskel? you don't know the plot in general, but it's, it's like a magical-ish kind of movie where he is able to meet his parents who died, but at the age they died and- it's like a Is ghost that a thing. Spoiler? No, no, no. It's what the movie's about. Well, I really want to see this. Yeah. Movie, so he plays the dad. He is just. I wish he was my dad. When you see that movie, <laughs> um, I I really love Jamie Bell a lot. I think he's fantastic. And there's a couple of movies in his filmography I still want to see, but 
I love J.B. Bell. Um, okay, so the movie. So yes, I you're like, him. oh, J.B. Bell on the mind. <laughs> love him. Um, but I, I love this movie. I think um, it does a great job of putting you in a place in history, but probably a place that we weren't too knowledgeable about, being that it was in England. Yeah. Um, and I really like all of the characters in it. And it's, although they have different characteristics it's very hard to hate anybody because as the story goes on you kind of see but it's just like a movie where you just root for obviously billy but you're also rooting for his family to accept him yeah um so i think it's really great we'll get into more questions but especially in a time where his family's already going through a lot yeah 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 because his mother passes away and um, like of course the minor strike like that's a big thing that's weighing on their yeah. minds Okay, so the first question I had for you was stories of young people going against the grain and charting their own path is an often utilized element in film. So why do you think this story used dance specifically as Billy's passion as opposed to another creative outlet? So you're kind of asking me like why the plot of the film is no, the like way why the plot dance? Because the they could have been like, oh, I like to draw. Like well, drawing I mean, is not for girls, or like I don't know, like singing. Like why do you think dance? I mean, could it be at a time that I mean. 2000. I still feel like no matter what it is with dance, I feel like dance has seemingly, maybe 23 years ago, has been like more of a female centric type of like hobby or quote unquote sport or something like that. And I, I also think dance is also very creative and expressive. And I think in a way that it kind of mirrors the way that he is trying to like, what's the word? Why can't I think of the word? I guess it's like he's trying to go towards his like artsy side. Say that again. Like artsy side or something. Yeah, I mean, it's dance is creative at the same time, but like, I guess like not gonna lie, your question kind of stumped me. I don't know why they would use dance other than maybe that it's just something that I feel like back at the time like boys might have not done dance as much, Mm -hmm. so it really shows someone charting their own path and not really caring about what other people think and doing whatever they're passionate about. Yeah. I mean, I think I can't be, I have two things that I kind of have to say about this, but um, I personally think that there's an even more like extreme masculinity, not issue, but in like England and Ireland Mm -hmm. rather than United States, it's still a huge problem in the United States, but I feel like having it in England um, kind of amplifies that. But the reason I thought maybe they use dance is because in the beginning of the movie, he's supposed to be doing boxing, which is like a very male physical kind of thing. And I feel like by juxtapositioning it with dance, it's a very physical sport, just like boxing, but it's obviously a very different creative kind of outlet. So I feel like putting together those two things and showing how different they are, but how physical they are for a boy as opposed to maybe how physical like boxing is. I think it just really shows the physicality in two very different ways. The one that's looked at very masculine and one that's looked a little more feminine. Well, especially with the ballet, like at first it really started with ballet. And then I think it started to get more into just generically. He wants to dance. Yeah. Um, I do think it lost a bit of the ballet as it went on. Like he was still doing certain ballet moves, but he was like tapping. Yeah. Yeah. When he started tapping, I was like, okay, this is definitely going more towards just general like dance rather than just ballet. But, like, you know, or at least I've heard, people who start dance, a lot of them start with ballet. Yeah, you and then they technique. Kind of, yeah, with technique, and then they go on. So I think you are right. Like, it's probably just because it's so much different from boxing, and it's kind of, like, really trying to show that boxing is the masculine side, but you're trying to get someone who is kind of charting, charting their own path. I mean, you kind of have to pick something that's kind of different, but... Dance is creative, so I feel like at the same time, it's a good way to express yourself, kind of the way he was trying to express the fact that, you know, he was passionate about something and his family would have to accept him. Yeah, and I also think with ballet, I've learned a little bit more over the years, but um, a lot of people on the surface, you, you say like, oh, you know, they're just like standing on their toes and like doing this with their arms and stuff. It is so hard. Yeah. It is beyond hard, like ballet and all that kind of stuff with the techniques. And it has to be so picture perfect um, that it really is like one of the most difficult kinds of dance for sure. Um, Okay. So the next question I had was the film takes place during the 1984 to 85 minor strike in Northern England, which plays, plays a large role in the characters of Billy's brother and father who have a strong sense of what it means to be a man. 
How did you view their characters? Were you infuriated by them or did you feel like they were a product of the society they were brought into as men? I wasn't in- infuriated by these characters. I really just think this is how they were brought up, to, in, like you said, of kind of how to be a man. And, you know, like, I feel like back then, I mean, what, this is 1984, 1985. It's like, for example, like minors. Like, I feel like I could be wrong, but do you choose to be a minor? Or it's kind of like sometimes you're just kind of thrown into it and like... Well, from, from what I saw in like October Sky as well, it's just like if you're from a small town during... And you're like, a male. Yeah, it's it was really... I feel like back then one of the, it was, it was, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was expected. Kind of expected, but it was also like a, a, what a, a valued job. Like okay. you're, you know, doing something like that, but it was also needed, but it was, it was very much like there was really also nowhere else to go. Yeah. So I wasn't infuriated, infuriated by these characters. I really would have been shocked if they were so okay with him dancing up front. I would have thought that was a little out of character, but I feel like his dad, I mean, you can tell, like, obviously he's, his dad, I mean, you think he has, like, anger issues, like, or something, but he really does care about his kids, and I think at the same time, like, you know, even though when he first finds out that Billy is dancing, like, he gets mad, but I feel like that also just comes from him wanting the best for his son and not thinking that dance would be something that would be the best for him as a male. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, as you we kind of go through the movie, that kind of changes. But um, I did, I don't know, sometimes I was like, his brother's just being way too mean to him. Like, even before the dance, like, even mm-hmm. in the beginning, like, when he says something before bed, he's like, shut the fuck up. He I'm gets like, mad, he's gosh. using his records. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, but... I, I guess I can't blame their characters, but at the same time, there were times when I was just like, stop being so mean to Billy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's even, it was even easier back then because you had a very systematic, like, how your lifeline is going to go. And I feel like any sense that the father got that Billy is not going to go through that line was like, he couldn't even really fathom it. But I feel like it definitely was a product of their time of, like men having to have that kind of job, but also very specifically be a certain way. Um, But I also feel like the loss of Billy's mother, like when he's dancing, he keeps saying like mom would have liked this or said it was okay. Um, So I think it's interesting. Um, I also feel like uh, with the brother and the dad, like, it must have been so difficult during this strike because they obviously could not work and weren't getting money and they were having such a difficult time. And it's also with the realization that the reason we're on strike is these people are not paying us fair wages or keeping us safe. Right. So I feel like it's even more infuriating. And honestly, what makes his dad kind of see the light is that if Billy does not you know, go forth with something he's really talented in and he's stuck in this town, like, being a minor. He's just going to experience the same feelings of not being respected, not having safety, and he realizes, like, that's not something he wants his son to go through. I think he also realized that his son was destined for something bigger. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, he's a minor and the the older brother is a minor, but I feel like that's just something that was kind of expected of them. And it's like, a mono- not a monotonous, but it's just kind of a consistent thing that is mm-hmm. expected of people in this town. And when he sees that Billy has something different and it has a talent, I feel like he's kind of like, he's not meant to be this kind of minor he could almost have a better life for himself in a way is kind of how I think about it. Yeah, for sure. Um, My, I want to make sure, I want to make sure I did this. Yeah. Um, So how do you think Billy Elliot has aged? Do you think there's anything in the film that's not as relevant today? Or do you think it still paints a realistic picture of the society we live in? Um, I think it, it, it kind of does paint the same kind of picture. Like I do think in some ways, Like, things are more accepted in the fact that, you know, I'm sure there's a lot more male dancers now in 2023 than there were, you know, back in the 80s. You know what I mean? Um, But at the same time, I feel like this kind of story ages, I mean, not well, because I mean, well, and I, it ages in the sense that I feel like this is always going to be a struggle in the sense of there are certain things that people aren't going to accept or accept you for. And you kind of have to chart your own path and do what you feel is best for yourself, even if you feel like it's not going to be accepted. And I think that comes from, you know, it could even be, you know, 
college kids picking a job and their kids and their parents are like, you're not going to get any money that way. Like, you're not going to do that. And I feel like this movie ages well in the sense that I feel like we always are going to live in a society where there are people who have their hopes and dreams and ambitions. And there's always going to be people that don't accept that. And sometimes it's the people that are closest to us. And that's when there's kind of a moral dilemma. So I really do think this movie aged completely fine because I feel like this is a theme that we've seen across time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it ages really well. I think that obviously in this movie, we have Billy who wants to do ballet. His family is just his, his uh, father and his brother are like, you know, like they keep saying like, that's for poofs. Like yeah. that's for like gay people or, you know, gay guys. Um, And I feel like it ages really well because even though we're in this time where we like to believe like we're like a lot more accepting and all of that kind of stuff, I feel like it's sometimes we like to believe it, but it might not be always the case. Like you can change laws and things, but you can't change people's minds necessarily. Like we had obviously like gay marriage being legalized, but that doesn't mean that the laws are going to change the way people perceive things. Yeah. And I feel like, um, that's okay. I feel like we like to be like, oh, you know, boys can dance and play with this and play with this. But in the background, we're always having people who in their mind are like, yeah, I know society's telling us we should accept it, but I still don't. And I feel like it is still very hard for males to not only get into, I guess, more creative or quote unquote female spaces, but anything that deals with like emotion or like expression is still very much like people like to be like, oh, you know, like that's not like that manly or stuff like that. And I feel like it's still very prevalent. Or and sometimes in that those type of things when I feel like there's a male doing something that's quote unquote like more female centric a lot of them just get labeled as gay, like, for those kind of reasons. And, I mean, even in dance, like, I mean, you could see in here even that people were saying that with him, but unfortunately, I feel like that's still the case. And it's like, I feel like it's definitely more, I could be wrong, but maybe a little more accepted if a woman is like, oh, I want to do this type of thing that's more male-centric, because then you'll be like, oh, she's a strong woman, she could do whatever. Mm -hmm. But then you still have, like, males who are doing, quote-unquote, like, more female, I guess, centric things. And they, I feel like they get judged a little bit more for it. Yeah, I again, I think... Comes from the masculinity I idea. really think we like to believe it, and it's not really the case. Like, it not like I said, like, it's not even necessarily in, like, dancing and stuff. It's just in how men aren't really allowed to express their emotions. And we like to be like, oh, like, guys should be able to. But I see so many girls who, who like, think about, like, oh, you know, like, he's... I don't know, like, I want, like, a strong man or whatever. And they like to say, like, oh, guys can show their emotions, but the second they do, they're like, oh, I don't know if I'm attracted to that. Like, it's just not, it's not great. But I feel like it ages really well because at the center, yes, there's a masculinity thing, but it's all about someone who has a talent and must work with that talent because if you are given these talents in life and you're not going to utilize them, like, you're just going to be in a very stagnant place and you're not going to grow. Um, So I feel like it it, um, ages really well. And I feel like in the sense that we both still really enjoyed it, um, it definitely ages. Um, Okay. So the next question I had was, how would you rank Billy Elliot with other coming-of-age films you love? Because I know you like coming-of-age movies. Yeah, and when you ask that question, I immediately forget every coming-of-age movie (laughs) I've ever seen. Um, I feel like there's different subgenres to, like, coming-of-age movies. Like... There's kind of more of like the silly ones like Angus Thongs and Perfect Snogging. Even like a Cinderella story I think is kind of coming of age. But then you have some of the more serious ones like, you know, Words on Bathroom Walls. The Way Way Back I'd also say is a coming Let's of age film. Me. Yeah, I think there's like, there's different subgenres and I feel like branches that come off of coming of age films. I mean, this one's definitely a coming of age film as well. How would I rank them though? I mean, it's it's difficult if they're so different how would you i'm curious i'd rank this one pretty high up and i think it's because it really is able to encapsulate and utilize its setting its time period and its themes like all into one where like um the time period and like the minor strike really does 
blend into the masculinity mixed with the dance, mixed with his relationship with his family. And I feel like all the elements really work together as opposed to just being set in a place and having like a kid go through like normal high school things and stuff like that. Um, so I would rank it pretty high. And I think it also utilizes the choreography in it is amazing. Um, I love the scene when he's dancing with um, Mrs. Yes. The character, Mrs. Weasley, Julie Walters. Yeah. And then I love the scene when he's doing like his angry dance. And then when he his he's dancing with one of the other boys and then his father comes in and then he like stops. And then he looks at his father and does this entire routine where his father ends up like storming out. And you're like, wow, he's mad. Yeah. And then he ends up going to Julie Walters character and says like, how much is this going to cost to get him yeah. into this? And you're to just the like point, dying inside. To the point where he literally goes against the strikers because he's like, I have to mine because I, I need to money, money for my kid. I know. And you just die Especially inside. that moment when you see him and his son make eye contact. Because his son is on like the picket line basically being like, you know, like, like on scab. the strike. And oh my gosh. And yeah. But would you say Coda is a coming of age film? Yeah, I would say I feel so. like for some reason that's the movie that I think the most about, like, related to this. Not as much that the, her her parents in CODA didn't want her to sing, but in some ways they're like, but, like, you can't because you have to take care of all of us. Yeah, it's definitely coming of age, I yeah. would say. Um, so, yeah, that's how I would kind of rank it up. I feel like, yes, coming of age movies all have different... Um, plots and stuff like that but like i said i think this one utilizes all the elements and fuses them together which makes it very strong yeah um and then the last question i had for you was an edited version was released in the usa rated pg-13 that tones down the language because this is rated r oh um first do you do you think this changes the feel of the movie by doing this and then what's your opinion on edited movies for content in a general sense um i mean there's definitely a lot of language, but I think it also, I I could be wrong. This could be a stereotype, but I feel like people in England and Ireland just curse more than us. No, maybe. I think they do. Okay. <laughs> um, so I feel like maybe it would have made it feel different related to, like, maybe the dialogue wouldn't have been as relatable or, like, as realistic. Um, but it's hard because like if you took away the language I really think it would be kind of the same film but at the same time when it comes to the parts that are more dramatic or people are angry or they're yelling I mean I think it gives it a little bit more weight sometimes when you're using yeah. some language um I don't think it would have made a major difference but then what's my opinion on editing movies for content in general sense I mean like editing it for like on television or what no, do you mean? No, I'm going to say not television just because like with television there's obvious things. But um, there's like edited uh, version. Even like directors who want to release a rated R or like NC-17 movie, a lot of times the studios are like, no, like we have to make this PG-13 or we have to make this R. Yeah, I mean, maybe because this also involves a child is why maybe they wanted to make it PG-13 when they brought it to the U.S. Um, but I don't know. I personally feel if a movie is written in the way it's written, you put it out there that way. Unless there's like a really like big reason why it's like we really need to cut back on this. But, you know, I feel like whoever wrote it and whoever picked it up, it's like they obviously liked the script. And if that's what they envisioned at first, it's like, why do you need to edit it? Yeah, I'm going to go with the first part. So... Um, I mean, the U.S. can do whatever they want. They definitely did it for more accessibility since it's rated R. But I actually really, I would never edit this movie because I think it's so interesting because there's the language. Like, yes, it really paints a picture of, like, um, English men. Um, but I like it because I love the fact that you got rid of the language. This movie could be PG. Yeah, and you're I, right. I kind of like how it's R because they're like, look, like, these are how the people talk. And we're just going to make a movie. And yes, there's language, so we have to rate it R. But, like, that's the way this is. And I like that. Um, I feel like... So, I hate the idea of editing movies for content. And maybe this is the librarian inside of me. Is that... To me, it's, like, essentially censorship. Like, if okay. somebody... If somebody wrote something and filmed it in a certain way, like put it out there and whatever you have to rate it is whatever you have to rate it. But again, like the movie industry is about making money. They want to make movies accessible. Like, like for example, like Five Nights at Freddy's, they were wanted to, I'm sure they wanted to make it R, but they're like, oh, with PG-13, they can make more money. But so in a sense, it's all about like money, but 
because I'm more of a fan of the art, I would not want films to be edited. I would want them to be told the way they are to reflect whatever topic they're reflecting. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't like editing movies for content. I, I think it ruins the art. Yeah. I think they definitely did it because it's related to like a child though. That's probably why. Well, he was like, saying a lot of the curse words. So yeah, it doesn't I know. really matter. Yeah. But yeah, I generally agree. Um, so that was the discussion that I had. So next we'll kind of go into the trivia. Okay. So first piece of trivia is over 2000 boys auditioned for the role of Billy Elliot and he obviously got it. So the reason I put that was because I feel like nowadays when we're cast, when you're casting, like people just send it to like known actors and there's like really not much of an audition period nowadays as yeah, much. Yeah, as much. I would agree. But is, was Jamie Bell like established in any way before Billy Elliot or was this really kind of his debut okay so it shows that you know there was 2,000 people and they're like oh wow this kid's really good and then he passed him and then that kind of launched his career but you're right I feel like now people just send stuff to agents of actors that people know and it's like and they audition but there's only what like five yeah it's not like hey there's an open I mean there are still open casting calls for things but not as much as you would think yeah yeah so I think that's so cool obviously um Second one was Jamie Bell took ballet and other dance classes while in secondary school, which caused him to often be ridiculed by his peers. He ended up using this as the inspiration while playing Billy Elliot. Oh, perfect. So he lived it. Yeah, (laughs) essentially. Which is so interesting because obviously the movie was in the 2000, it made in 2000. So he was being ridiculed in 2000 and the movie takes place in the 80s. So it really does show, like we were talking about, how it still was prevalent. That makes sense though that he took ballet and other dance classes because otherwise I feel like they would have to teach the actor also how to dance. So I feel like if he also kind of had that kind of background, it was probably easier to cast as well. And obviously when you watch it, like I was making sure, but... When you watch it, like, it's clearly him dancing. Like, it's, yeah, not, a it's stunt not a stunt double. double. Like, it's clearly him on screen. So I think it's crazy. He was so good and so talented. Yeah, I agree. Um, the next one I have is Jamie Bell is the only one of the four principal actors to actually come from the area where the movie is set. Oh, really? Was this, like, close to his hometown or something? So I don't know if they filmed it where technically they're saying, but he came from the town that... New Durham, I'm guessing, where they, you know, filmed it, which I think is cool because it's the idea of it was that it's a very kind of like poor, poverty stricken town. Um, and he's able to like rise above and like get into this ballet school. Spoiler, he gets in. Um, so I think it's like almost like his story as well. Yeah, I feel like, well, now I feel like he was from the town. He did ballet and dance classes. Like, was he just Billy Elliot? He like, was, he, was, he was Billy Elliot. That's cute. Um, The next one I had was um, a January 2020 New York Times article about the latest touring production of Swan Lake profiled four male dancers in the show. Three of the four, who were between the ages of 22 and 34, mentioned the movie Billy Elliot as a major influence in their interest in dance and their decision to become dancers. The article noted that none of the men experienced much prejudice while they began to dance, perhaps because of what the Guardian critic called the Billy Elliot effect. Oh, interesting. So it's kind of like they weren't ridiculed because in this kind of movie, it's showing, you know, men can dance and young boys can dance and it's something that's beautiful. So I guess in a way, like this movie had a positive effect on that way, not only with people wanting to dance because of it and being inspired, but like less prejudice after people seeing that movie. That's cute. Yeah, and I definitely think in 2020, like, like we said, like there's a little bit less of the judgment of it. But... Anytime that I hear people say, like, a movie inspired me to, like, pursue this and now that's what I'm doing, warms my heart. Because in my opinion, like, films are one of the most inspirational, greatest things we have in the world. So anytime I hear that people, like, for example, saw Billy Elliot and they're like, this made me want to dance, like, warms my heart. Well, I think that same goes, like, just personally. Like, I feel like you and I are kind of where we are in life with our hobbies and interests, like because of Bruce Terabithia. Whether that comes from our love of movies, but just media in general, TV, music. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like our whole, like, our love for those kind of things came from that at a young age, which is, yeah. like, I'm just, uh, I guess just our personal things. But yeah. it's true. Yeah, definitely. Um, the third one was Lee Hall, the writer, completed his draft in three weeks. 
I can't do anything in like three years. <laughs> that's like crazy especially for something writing. creative, like anything that I do that's creative, it it always takes so long. And I think that's because I'm also a very much like hate everything I do until it's like completely right. I can't imagine writing a draft like this in three weeks. Yeah, I know, it's crazy. Um, and then the last trivia I had was one of the great qualms of the entire movie was whether Mrs. Wilkinson um, should be in the final scene when Billy performs Swan Lake. In the end, Julie Walters wasn't available for filming. So that's oh why she God. wasn't there. I don't know why I didn't put the piece together that she should have been there, but she should have been there. To be honest, I assumed like she died. Because like, like, she wasn't that old. Well, yeah, but Billy her, she was, was like... probably her, his father's age. His father was living in the audience. That is very true. Um, but I didn't dead. think about it. Because the, the boy, um, Michael, was there that he was, like, friends with in the movie. Yeah. Um, so that was really nice. That's the thing, though, is, like, when they went into, like, the, the school to see him dance, I was like, oh, he's going to be little. And then his friend Michael was in the audience. And I was like, oh, my gosh, his friend Michael's, like, in his 20s. Like, are we about to watch, like, Billy dance when he, like, yeah. is 10 years, like, 10 years later? So, yeah, I didn't expect that. Okay, so there was a couple goofs. I think I only put one for continuity, but the rest were just more interesting. Um, when the dance teacher goes into Billy's house to confront his family about the audition at the Royal Ballet School, you can hear Teletubbies, a daytime children's program, in the background. Teletubbies first aired in 1997, 13 years after when the film was set. Interesting. Well, that just comes from the fact that this was in 2000. So right, it's kind of like, right. oh, what's on TV now? But yeah, I mean, I think it's things like that you should kind of think of. But to be honest, a lot of things like this could have also passed me by. If I, I didn't even person. realize it was Teletubbies. I wasn't. I didn't Because I was focused on what they were saying. Yeah. I wasn't focused on the background. Um, the next one I had was in the mobile library scene, several book spines are clearly visible, revealing the titles published well after 1984, such as like Memory of Desire in 1991, Barbara Taylor Bal Bradford's Hold the Dream 1998, and so on. So a bunch of the books. 85. So a bunch of the books were like books that came after 84 and 85 yeah but i feel like if you're unless you're like really staring down the books in the scene yeah. you're not really gonna notice yeah i thought that was funny um as billy finishes dancing down the street it begins to snow he stops to talk to a friend and the ground is already com covered in snow wait yeah i noticed that at first i was like wait did the season change like randomly i guess i didn't realize it was snowing before but yeah when they pan back i'm like oh my gosh why is there so much snow for some reason, my mind went to, like, when he's... It's almost like a creative choice of he's going back and, like, the time has changed. That's what I thought. That's like, what the I time thought. had changed, but I guess they just, like, overdid the snow yeah, really quick. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, and then the last one I had was the young Billy has blue eyes and the adult Billy has brown ones. Okay, but, like, it's a different actor. You would never... The best, I you, did not realize and the it's eye also, color. Yeah, you don't... And you also pick the best actor. I mean, not gonna lie... Whoever they picked in the end scene probably could have done it. I mean, did he say any words? All he did was like a yeah, like a jump yeah. and like well, what are they gonna, facial expressions? Are they gonna like cast a whole other actor who's better? Who's I don't not know. as good yeah. because of no, it. No, I get it. Um, yeah, and there was like continuity stuff, but we get it. Like, there's a Starbucks cup there. Not great. Um, okay, <laughs> okay. So uh, those were the goofs. So now I'll let you give your general what you give it out of 10 and then we'll kind of like talk about what we might do for next episode yeah that was a we dropped the ball there um i would definitely give this like an 8 out of 10 like i really enjoyed it um i feel like anything that gets above 8 out of 10 for me is something that like really just stuns me and it's not that this movie wasn't good enough for that i think it's just like the type of story it was i feel like i've seen a lot and that probably just comes from a product of me not seeing this movie until now um but I did really enjoy it so I would definitely give it like a solid like eight out of ten and of course the performances were great stories adorable the dancing was great so yeah. I'd give it a nine out of ten I love this movie I'm glad I saw it again after like six years and it's it's definitely one I want to own now on blu-ray oh yeah you should get it um okay so Let's uh, figure out what we're going to do for our next episode. I feel like the best thing is for you to come up with stuff that you haven't seen. I mean, at one point we have to do The Godfather, but like... I don't right have time. Now, it's yeah, right now I don't have time with the holidays, but I feel like if there's a movie you haven't seen, I feel like if I haven't seen it, we should just like go with it. But again, it has to be something like people know about. It can't be like something too niche. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a list of things like you haven't seen, but why don't we narrow it down like any kind of genre... Okay, well, it's going to be... Should we do something Christmas-related? 
Maybe we can, like, see a Christmas movie we both haven't seen. Okay. Maybe Is December any, like, will be our Christmas or holiday. You know what we should see that yeah. I've been trying to see but I haven't? The original, ori- wow, original Miracle on 34th Street. It's, like, one of the most, one of the most, like, loved Christmas movies and it's, like, so popular and I've never seen it. What's it about? I was going to say A Christmas Story, but like Apparently, I like, I, I like don't think I can see that movie. It looks like it sucks. Okay, so what's Miracle on 34th Street about? Unless there's like a... Yeah, well... Yeah, because it's a very classic, and I think everyone who maybe listens to this, or everyone in the world has seen it. We've, you, well, we've definitely also seen It's a Wonderful Life. We've definitely yeah, I've seen, seen it. That. I think that's a good one to do. There's like a newer one, and then a, the original classic one. I think we should watch the original classic. Okay. Okay, that was easy. When does that episode... Well, so we're going to film, I think, the first it's gonna weekend be in December. of December, so it'll be the second... Yeah, okay. We could probably do Miracle on 34th Street. Cool, because I wanted to see it. It's a classic, apparently. Yeah. So kind of before we wrap up, like, we haven't seen each other in a while, like, with, you know, like, filming this. Like, what are some things recently that you've seen? Can I can I go first for once? Just because I feel like you've seen everything. When have I ever been like, no, you can't No, I think first. it's because you've just seen everything. Okay. So, um, I saw Thanksgiving. Same. I, well, people are saying on the internet, it's like Miloheimer month, which is, I love because it's Milo Mannheim. So I saw his double feature in November. So I saw Journey to Bethlehem and I saw Thanksgiving. Really quick Thanksgiving. Loved Thanksgiving. I saw it with um, my friend Victoria doesn't like gory movies but she was like i don't like gory movies but you know um and it's gory but like i'll see it and i was like okay great Mm -hmm. it was i liked it better than like scream i thought it was so interesting the backstory of it with the black friday was great of course not going to spoil it um i thought the cast was pretty great so i really liked thanksgiving so i saw journey to bethlehem with my dad my dad is very religious and i love my little man so we saw it honestly though this movie is really, really good. The music is actually 10 times better than I thought it was going to be. And I think it's a great Christmas story. Like if you just want to see it, like a general story about like at the birth of baby Jesus, but like it's a musical and it was really, really great. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't see it, but very. Cute. I can't get over the fact that like the actress who plays Mary is like hot. She's what like she's like really pretty. What is what's Mary supposed to be ugly? Well, I like to think of like Mary is supposed to be like oh the virgin Mary. It's not like guys are like hopping on her. Well, like no, the actress in the original ones that like our parents showed but that's us. That's an actress. Very... Well, she's also <laughs> I don't know. I don't you know, know what? She did a great job. So did Milo. Okay, Love him. I did see Thanksgiving. I liked it a lot. Um, I saw The Holdovers, which is a holiday Christmas movie. So good. I was gonna see that a few days ago and so then I good. I, I want like dad to see it. He'll love it. My coworker um just texted me before this episode and she's like, I just saw the holdovers. It's my new favorite movie. I have to see um, it. So yeah, that was really good. I saw Thanksgiving. I saw the Disney movie Wish. Fucking trash. I didn't even want to see it from the trailer. Well, I just always see the Disney movies. Right. Yeah, I it know. It was it was so bad. There was no heart. It right. was AI generated. Well, yeah, I wasn't even interested in it. I didn't say you were. I'm just no, saying no, no, like, I know, it, was, but... it was like trash. And like, I never want to hate a Disney movie. I love Disney. It was yeah. trash. Um, that's like all I can think about. Like, I, I've been like re-watching movies and watching them at home and stuff like that. Um, well, but yeah. Um, I was just gonna, this is selfish of me to ask, but so what'd you think of Milo? In Thanksgiving. He was like barely in it. Yeah, okay. His but... character was funny in the sense like his her friends were like, oh, yeah, he's, like, the goody two-shoes, and then she ends up, like, dating him, and him and, like, the old boyfriend have, like, tension, like, they kind of don't like Is each that other. your first Milo experience? I saw zombies. Okay, well, this is your first real movie, this not This is his Disney. first real movie. No, well... Yes. Uh... Yes. Well, no, Journey to Bethlehem was also a real but movie. But that's this month. I'm talking about He was before. in some TV stuff, too. I mean, Prom Pact is also Disney. No, it's all, it's all not real. He is great. Just wanted to ask what you thought. Okay, sure. He's yeah. he he's Milo. Um, <laughs> okay, so yeah, that's kind of what I saw. Um, so yeah, so we'll see that next time. I want to say that um, uh, after this episode, we're gonna play an interview that I got to interview the director, writer, and actor of one of the new horror movies that came out this year, Deliver Us. It was released at the end of September. Um, the director's name is Leroy uh, Coons. 
and I really loved it. We were sent the movie and it's a genre of horror that I am known to not like. But this movie was really good. Very nice. And, like, I was nervous when I got it because I was like, I don't know. Like, if I don't like it, I have to write a review about it. And I'm not going to lie. So lucky I didn't have to lie. It was very good. Awesome. Um, So I interviewed him and this will appear after this. Um, And it was really fun. It was honestly, like, being able to interview, like, a filmmaker who not only wrote it and directed it, but the movie was really good. It was it was great for me. I was so excited. And he was That's so awesome. nice. Um, okay, so that'll play after this. Um, so then it'll so play I guess after- we'll just do our outro, but then like just expect that if it the episode ends like kind of abruptly with no like way of ending it, it's just because we're putting her interview at the end of this episode. Yeah. Yeah. So um awesome. So that was Billy Elliot. We'll see you guys in a few weeks with Miracle on 34th Street. And please enjoy Stephanie's interview. Yes, thank you. I'm Stephanie Young, writer for Just for Movie Freaks, here with multi-talented Leroy Coons, here to talk about his new horror movie, Deliver Us. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Um, So I want to discuss a little bit about you and the film. Um, So to start off, can you just give us a summary of what Deliver Us is about? Okay, so it's about an ancient Zoroastrian prophecy that the Catholic Church has been um, looking into uh, the past few centuries, and it seems to be fulfilled when a a nun becomes pregnant with twin boys, which she claims uh, is uh, just a virgin uh, birth, and I play a priest that goes off to investigate, and I'm skeptical the entire time but eventually help her escape and we, you know, we explore what it's the, what's going on with these two boys. Great. Good. Um, okay. So getting a film made can be an extremely long process. So can you briefly take us through the process from the idea to the final product? Yeah. So the idea actually came from my father when I was visiting home and he pitched me this idea when we were just drinking, having a few beers at a brewery about a nun who's pregnant with twin boys and one's the Messiah and the other's the Antichrist. And I thought it was one of the best ideas I had heard. Uh, I started writing a script. Uh, I brought my brother in to help. And uh, within six months, we had uh, put together enough financing to do a pretty low budget film and uh, shoot it in Estonia. That's great. It's so crazy when you said low budget, because when I'm watching this movie, I'm like, these are like the effects I'm seeing at the movies in theaters. So I wouldn't even have expected that because you guys did such a great job. Well, thank you. Yeah, we had a great team. The guy who uh, who did our special effects, uh, Anders Bratas, he's out of Sweden and he does all the best. So I think what, my, what I learned from it is it's better to do effects practically because you can do them cheaper as long as you're ready to just be a little slower on set than than trying to do CGI, which really costs a lot of money. Right, right. But the practical practical effects were great. Um, Mm -hmm. So you directed, wrote, and starred in this film. So Mm -hmm. in your career, which of these paths did you see yourself in first? And then how did the others fall into place? So it was always writing and filmmaking. I started writing my first screenplay when I was 16 and wanted to go to film school. So I eventually went to USC film schools where I met Isaac, who's the the DP producer, one of my best friends, just shot season two of Loki. Mm-hmm. We dropped out together to make a low budget film when we were 21 called A Beer Tale. And that did uh, really well on Redbox and was enough to get my career started. Um, I uh, had agents from CAA uh, reach out to me and then try to push me down the acting path and so uh, all the while trying to get my film career going while exploring uh, acting uh, and learning about it which mm-hmm. has helped me in the filmmaking for sure. Did you find that directing and writing came a lot easier for you than acting or did you start to realize that acting was something you were great at as well? You know, it's always writing and directing. Uh, One thing as a low budget filmmaker, you'll realize having yourself to act in it. You can keep the budgets down. You can do reshoots. You can, uh, um, even in post-production, having you there to for uh, whether or not it's voiceover or 
ADR goes a really long way. Um, I didn't even want to play Father Fox in the Deliver Us. Uh, we just didn't have a big enough budget to meet the quotes of the actors that would have been interested to play Father Fox because uh, I just had so much invested in it mm-hmm. that I was worried we wouldn't get distribution if we didn't have at least somewhat well-known actor. Right. Well, you were fantastic. So it worked oh, out. Thank you. Yeah. Um, okay, so this film dives deeply into religious concepts like original sin, Adam and Eve, the origin of good versus evil, and so much more. So I was interested in your background in Catholicism and just your outlook on religion as a whole. So if you can speak any like a little bit on that. Yeah, so definitely my Catholic background and faith play a lot into making this movie. Um, when I was in film school at USC, a film professor, he was an ex-Jesuit priest. And he said to said to the class that horror was the only genre of film where you could make a, a film where God and divinity is the subject and have mainstream audiences accept it and engage with it. And so when it came to actually then making this movie, it was really cool to explore a lot of the deeper, darker elements of my faith or what I've struggled with in it. Um, definitely inspired a lot by the Grand Inquisitor, Dostoevsky's uh, chapter, where um, if you're familiar where Jesus comes back and the second coming in the Spanish Inquisition and the Catholic Church actually captures him and imprisons him and tells them everything he's done to fail humanity and how that they're in control. And so that informed the, the bad guys of our film. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. Obviously, you brought up horror. It's a horror movie. Um, so I wanted to ask you. So this is your third feature I saw. So your first was a beer tale, which was a comedy, and then I saw you did Delirium, which is kind of like a mystery thriller. So what made you want to delve into horror? And do you see yourself continuing in the genre? I actually really do. And what's funny is a uh, Delirium. It's technically hasn't been released. It's uh, it's part of a film called Devil's Fruit. Because as a filmmaker, I oh, shot yeah. in sections. It's like a boyhood. Um, we just had to do that. And now it's on IMDb forever. But that will be coming out soon. And that's like a Russian crime thriller. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I, I was looking at that. And I was, I, I was honestly seeing if I could watch it before <laughs> I interviewed. And I couldn't find it. And I was like, oh, maybe it's just like because I can't find it. But... <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting because I saw you were doing like a like a boyhood type movie, which is incredible. Yeah, so it's just the best thing I think I can give filmmakers is what uh, is how to I guess do what you have to do to to get a film made or in pieces. And that film in particular, it just became a boyhood, and then we we we, we worked it out so that it we could just make it on the scale that we uh, we wanted to. Um, but yes, I am going to continue down the horror. My next film will probably be another uh, horror, detective horror thriller. Oh, very cool. And ha- have you always grown up as a horror f- fan? You know, I I liked horror. Uh, it wasn't my like number one genre for sure. Uh, but now I think it's probably one of the most interesting uh, genres to work in now because there isn't the same kind of limits on what you can do. You can really be as expressive and far and and go into really taboo subjects um, doing it. Yeah, definitely. I totally agree. Um, So horror films often take on real human fears, regardless if it's based in reality or not. So does Deliver Us touch on any of your personal fears that ended up making into the script? Yeah, I think the whole theme of the, the film that I've kind of been obsessed with that might answer the religious question a little bit better is the the problem of evil in the world, uh, why it's allowed to exist and why there's so much injustice. Um, and so I think that something within the the two brothers, um, me trying to recon- reconcile that, like the, 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 that kind of existential fear of like that, the, of, uh, of, yeah, that, uh, trying to meet people at a place where the world has all this in it, but it actually is a good place. And it was like the creation is good. Um, if that makes sense. It's been a while since I've done these interviews. I'm sorry. I'm a little, Oh no, not a problem. Mattered. I feel like, wow, I'm, I'm out of it. <laughs> I apologize. Oh no, you're good. Um, so tell me if I'm pronouncing this right. So your composer Toti Grinison. 
I believe so. I don't okay. think we pronounced it right ourselves. Um, he also composed Lamb in 2021, which is awesome, but he composed a score for the film. Um, so what was it like working with him and what was your collaboration like to find the perfect sound for this movie? Yeah, so usually when you're cutting the film, you have a temp score and there's a joke within uh, post sound that people are always using the same music, especially for horror films. Under Your Skin is one that's used, uh, Sicario. Um, and a lot of the times uh, composers are brought on and you've basically edited the scenes to the music that was edited for other, other projects. Um, so it doesn't even match perfectly. And then composers end up almost creating something that's kind of similar to it. Um, and what we did with Toadie, I, we even, it even seemed like that was the path we were on for a little bit, but then I said, like, let's stop. Um, let's, let's do individual pieces of music because one Toadie is just like, uh, I think he's one of the most interesting, uh, composers out there in terms of just like pure artists and having his own vision. And so I wrote a paragraph for about six different pieces of music of, of what a theme of the film was, whether or not it was the character of Laura or if it was the character of Vox Day or the, the organization. And then to then compose individual pieces uh, that, that, it, that he was interested in doing that had nothing to do with what we, was happening on screen. And then once we found those pieces of music, you would go and then you would, we would weave them into the film. And that's what we ultimately ended up doing. Wow, that's incredible. Is that a really long process because it's individual scores? You know, it. Uh, Brent Kaiser, he uh, he did our post sound, so he definitely helped then crafting that because uh, you're what what he's almost doing is a little bit more of a, an arrangement as well, and then sending it back to Toadie, which um, he's familiar with since he did, was the arranger for Joker. Yeah, his sister, yeah, his sister did the score for that, and so. You know, it, it takes a lot of different uh, uh, voices and people then to almost like take that work and then, okay, what, we're going to mess it up just so it works for this scene mm -hmm. and then and that. And so it is back and forth, but to me, it seems like it happens a lot quicker when you, when you just do it the right way from the beginning uh, like that, rather than trying to uh, craft, basically copy someone else's work, which then I can't imagine is very fun for Toadie or any composer. Yeah, because yeah, this score was great. And I'm so happy he got nominated for the Hollywood Music and Media Awards. Yeah, that was a big deal. So yeah, that's that awesome. Yeah, I was like, okay, we did it right. This is <laughs> how to do it in the future. Yeah. Um. So just two more questions for you. So can you tell us about anything that you're working on in the moment? I know you. we were kind of talking before about one of them, Um. but anything else you can talk about? Yeah, so the Inuit horror film, it, oh, it's, a, it's a detective horror thriller. It's much in the vein of True Detective. And I realized True Detective season four is actually going to be set in the Arctic. But oh, wow. it's centered, yes, it's centered around, it's another religious horror, but it's using uh, Inuit mythology combined with Christianity. Uh, Inuits, for the most part, they practice Christianity, but have a lot of Inuit mythology kind of infused in it, the same way that uh, in Mexico, Catholicism there is just has a little bit of infused of just Day of the Dead and their own kind of flair from their own history. And so we're following this detective as she's uh, investigating a crime. Um, and it's a classic supernatural detective thriller, a little bit like The Seven uh, and something that I know that I can get made because as a filmmaker, it's like I just did this. It's a religious horror. It's not too far out. And I can get a, a financier to give me a bigger budget to work with. Yeah, that's that makes sense. Um, that'll be so interesting. I'm gonna love to see that eventually when it comes out. Um, and then the last question I had for you might be the toughest. Um, okay. what are your top three favorite movies? Okay, I think I would have to go with Goodfellas first because mm -hmm. uh, you can watch it a million times. It's funny, uh, and but then it's also dark and profound. Uh, again, deals with uh, the banality of evil and how these these people are so likable and yet they commit the most horrible you know crimes um there will be blood is another one that's just like uh i can watch it over and over again and uh i'm gonna have to go with the comedy 
like the Big Lebowski or Groundhog. Mm -hmm. I kind of go back and forth between those ones, depending on how I'm feeling. That's great. Um, thank you so much for uh, being here and having us interview you. Um, everybody should go see Deliver Us. It was so good. I loved it. Um, and you were amazing. You're directing, you're writing, acting. Everything was fantastic. Um, so thank you so much for being here. And we look forward to seeing the rest of your work coming out. Hey, well, thank you. And I loved your article. You, I, I could tell you really got it in a way that... Uh... A lot of people, you know, sometimes it goes over their head. So probably whatever background you come from, I was like, okay, we have a similar. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you so much. It means a lot. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much. It was good oh. to have you on.